Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Rochelle McLeod. Rochelle is a mental health therapist and emotional wellness expert. Through years of successfully helping clients move their anxiety, depression, and trauma disorders into remission, she has developed a program that empowers people to skillfully get rid of symptoms and heal. She is also the facilitator of the Facebook group called Releasing the Baggage of Anxiety, Depression, and Traumatic Stress, where she delivers free trainings on leading interventions that work well for getting rid of symptoms, not just coping or managing them. Her mission is to empower people to do their own healing work effectively, safely, and skillfully. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to my old episode with Rochelle McLeod, no worries because I'm bringing her back. We're talking about what's missing in traditional therapy and how a few practices, which she'll be sharing, can release decades of trauma simply, effectively, and efficiently. If you've been carrying around the weight of unhealed pain for a while, grab a pen and a piece of paper to take a few notes. You're going to get so much out of this conversation. Here we go. Okay, everybody, I am here with Rochelle McLeod. Actually, she's back because we had such a great conversation last time and I brought her back because we're going to be speaking about, of course, you've been betrayed and we're doing everything we can to move through it. But as before I hit record, we were talking about kind of like timelines, like what's a timeline of moving through it? What happens physically, mentally, and emotionally, all of that. So I brought Rochelle on so she could help us with that. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So let, you know, as we were talking, but before, you know, I hit record, we were bringing up the topic of timelines. And first of all, let's talk about the mind-body connection because that's just a huge part of our healing. Can we start there? Yes. So I specialize in helping people heal from symptoms of anxiety, depression, and traumatic stress. Some of this is complex childhood trauma. Some of this is betrayal trauma, all these things. And what I rely on for that is the mind-body connection. I really, in my work, I really guide the mind-body to do its own beautiful work of healing, of learning new ways of being, gross, maturity, and mastery. And so the brains are designed to do that, but there are things that come up that really block the mind-body ability to complete those processes. And then we stay stuck, and then we're lingering, and then we're looping, and we're just not getting the growth and transformation and expansion we could be getting from even harmful and challenging experiences like betrayal. So really when I talk about the mind-body connection, I'm talking about the body and all these nerves that we have and all the energy systems that we use. We're very electrical and really, and how the body is gathering information from outside of us and inside of us whenever, everywhere, when we're in our experiences, when we're in betrayals, when we're in life and love and happiness and anywhere we are, our body is doing this work. And its job is to send this information up through the brain stem up to the front of the brain, through a process. And in the front of the brain, that's really where it mixes with our values and our morals. And that's where our brain is finally able, our experiences get words added to them, where we have solutions. And just where our whole brain comes together to be like, oh, look at all this data we got. And let's create a more healthy map of our understanding of the world, Mm -hmm. right? It creates this map of relationships. And we want those maps to be accurate because it's easier to get from point A to point B. And so if they're not accurate, they're looping around where train can lefts and rights. And you can see this 
in our relationships. And this is one of the reasons why often we'll find ourselves in betrayal after betrayal is because our map and our understanding of how life works, our brain isn't actually able to make that map accurate. Let's break it down even further. Like when we get stuck, when we're just looping, when we're not able to make sense of it, tell us what's going on. What would that look like? Yes. The person who's the person who's listening, watching, saying, okay, I think she's talking about me. What would that look like in this person's day to day? Yes. I'm going to nerd on you for a moment. I'm going to take that to the inside, to the outside. Okay. So you've got this nervous system and it's sending up the positive. It's just going through the system. No problem whatsoever. But anything that registers as pain is going through the brain and it's registering as pain. And the brain is shifting into a survival state instead of a processing state. Instead of using that information for growth and mastery and wellness and connection, it's using it to survive. And so we've got our fight, flight, freeze, faint, and fawn. And then the brain doesn't like that either. So then we got to do something to get out of that. And then we are out of that, but then that the body still needs to send that information up. And so up it comes again, and then it causes that problem. And then we're in fight or flight and back down, right? And just looping there. And so some of these things, we will find ourselves looping by some clues as if we keep researching with betrayal stuff, especially with narcissism, right? Where we've been in a relationship with a narcissist and we're just researching narcissist, narcissist, narcissist. That can be a sign that this whole process isn't working. And actually many of us, when our mind-body system isn't working, we will use one part of our mind-body system excessively. And that can really be, for most of us, it's our thinking center. We're just thinking and thinking and thinking. That's not a whole mind-body process. And so that the mind that your system isn't able to go through its natural healing process, its natural resolution process, its natural growth and mastery and connection process. Mm -hmm. I just want to make sure, so if I can dumb it down uh, with the beautiful words you're saying, it's almost like here we are, we're in trauma and we're doing our research because we want to understand, but we're excessively researching using our mind, not letting it pass through us where let's say we see the animal in the wilderness who shakes after, you know, they've been attacked their nervous system settles down, they go back to normal. We are just using one aspect of the mind-body system, our mind, to try to understand something. And we keep looping because all we're doing is using this one piece and not looping past this one aspect. And another way of doing this is we could be looping on, we could have memories surfacing. Mm -hmm. And this would be more like our subconscious mind-body connection trying to work, but it's like this one memory just keeps happening over and over again. And that is a sign that this mind-body system is not, process isn't happening. It, waking up in the morning with the same feeling, having re- reoccurring nightmares. Gosh, sometimes we'll find this with patterns of eating and sleeping, yeah. being different or excessive drinking. We're just trying to cope with the bad feelings in our body that are lingering from this past experience that we're still carrying around. And so our body is having to do extra work to cope and and get through it. And really when, you know, just it sounds like when you think about it, here we are, we're having this reoccurring nightmare or the same thoughts keep popping up. And this is where we reach for the food, drugs, alcohol, work to yep. eat anything, you know, to numb, avoid and distract ourselves. Okay. And so that's not doing anything to unloop us. All we're doing okay. is trying to minimize the pain from the loop, right. which we have to do, but it would be so much better just to stop looping. Mm-hmm. And when we use the mind body system, like it's designed, the loops stop and they stop quickly, sometimes within 20 minutes. You know, it's just a very, the mind-body system is, is so brilliantly fast and creative and 
masterful that it's just worth getting out of the loop. And yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm always trying to get into the minds of my listeners, viewers, and they're like, you mean to tell me I have had this same reoccurring thought. I can just do something for 20 minutes and it would be gone. I will be hearing about it if I don't ask you, what is it that could allow these thoughts to stop looping? What would they need to do? Gosh, there are many interventions that we can use at any time. I like to match people with those interventions. I use four very heavily. Those are the four I specialize in. Emotional freedom techniques, thought field therapy, energy medicine, and EMDR. Emotional freedom technique, thought field therapy, and what were the other two? Energy medicine Uh and EMDR. Okay. If you could explain each of these so everybody knows what each one involves, and then Mm -hmm. we'll take it from there. Each one of these engages the mind and the body in a healing dance. And it's a very different healing dance than we do in talk therapy, but it is the mind-body's healing dance. And we, in each of these interventions, we are thinking about the looping memory, let's just say, and we're paying attention to that. And then we're engaging our body in a modality, whether it's eye movements, so we're moving our eyes left and right. This is the one I don't lead with the most because it does have some negative side effects. But there's other ones that you can just grab off the shelf off of the video and start using them. And you're going like emotional freedom techniques. Mm -hmm. You're thinking about the looping memory because you're like, okay, brain, I see you're having problems processing that. And so you're tapping on the side of your hand, the back of your hand, all these different points on your body. And you do a 30 second round and then you're paying attention to this memory. It just feels different. It looks different because the brain is changing it. It is not being kept in its same form. Brains change things. Beautiful. And with EFT, also known as tapping everybody, what you also want to do, give yourself a number, like on a scale of zero to 10. Zero is bothering you at all. 10, it's so extreme. This way you could see, you know, you could measure for yourself what one round of tapping or two rounds or three rounds of tapping can really do for you because you can find, and I know it sounds crazy, but you may give yourself a number, let's say eight or nine with the amount of emotional pain you're in about this experience. And you do a round of tapping that may make no sense to you and it doesn't even matter. And then check back and it could be like a level five. It could be a level three. That's right. And can you explain what's happening with tapping for those who aren't? Yeah. With tapping, we're actually talking to a very specific part of the brain. That part of the brain does not use words. It doesn't care. It does. It's not a wording center. That part of the brain is not a reasoning center, a logic center. You can rationalize as much as you want. This brain will not involve itself in the healing process. If you do not, it will only stay involved with the survival process. So that's really the part of the brain that we're trying to, hey, come on, get on board with the healing process. And so we're talking to it in its native language. The only thing it cares about is our body and keeping our body alive. And so all of a sudden you're doing this tapping thing and your brain is, that part of the brain is able to say, whoa, hold up. I think we're getting messages of safety. It's safe enough to let, to be part of the healing process. And so let's go ahead and do that. And it shifts instantly. I have people do this a lot because we need that part of the brain engaged. And if there's a lot of pain moving through our system, like what happens with rejection, abandonment, betrayal, it's so painful. And because there's pain, so much pain moving, we want to keep that part of the brain engaged in the healing process instead of running out into the survival process. So we're tapping quite a bit. In the beginning, I will, when I'm matching people with interventions, I will have them use the number scale. 
mm-hmm. because we need to them to feel it. I want them to experience this. I want them to see what their brain can do for them. And, but because we have so much work to do, I really, we really throw that out and just get to tap in and yeah. get that pain processed and converted into our next levels of wellness. I love that we're going through tapping and we're going to go through the other modalities as well. What I love also about tapping is it's very forgiving. You know, you are hitting on these energetic points, portals, right? It's almost like the easiest way for those who aren't familiar, it's almost like acupuncture without the needles. The idea is acupressure, you know, on these certain points. But what's also good is you don't need an appointment. You could just, you know, you can do it on your own. It doesn't take a long time and you don't have to understand it. Now, what I find people get concerned about with tapping is bringing up the issue to tap on. They're like, wait a second, but am I making it a bigger deal if I tap on it? Can you talk about that? Yes. Brains make health out of the positive, pleasurable aspects of our life and the negative, painful aspects of our life. There is no way around that. And so we want both of the brain to bring all that together and integrate it and learn, right? So we know this because we walk around and we learn about gravity. You know that this pen is going to fall on my desk. The brain has integrated that that's a thing. It knows it. And so there's some of these negative things. We just think, oh no, I'm just going to push that down, push it away. And then your brain brings it back up because it knows it's like, I got to get this processed. And so I can understand how the world works. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you keep pushing it down on me. And then now you're at war with your, how your body works. Yeah. And that process, being at war with yourself, is like that whole divided we fall. is just not okay. When you think about bringing this memory up, spending 20 minutes on it, and it's finished and resolved and your brain gets smarter because of it, or let's suppress it for 20 years, have to cope with it for 20 years, have it affect our relationships. And we're still afraid of the same thing because our brain can't figure it out and learn, no, that thing that we're afraid of is very specific. That's problematic. Mm-hmm. That's where the suffering comes from. And we're used to things not solving. So it's hard to trust. Okay, you mean we're going to do this? And I, at this point, I'm like, let's give it a try, mm-hmm. you know, and just give me five minutes and let's see what happens. Yeah. And it's the first thing I ever used this on was insomnia, massive insomnia. I used it for a minute and I was out just knocked out sleeping well. And I can tell you after doing hundreds of people, childhood sexual abuse, being raised by mentally ill parents, car accident, all these things, and they heal. Yeah. And I am having, I, my job is to help them like process, like I'm like emotional pain midwifery over here. Mm-hmm. We're just yeah. going to guide this painful thing through your brain's natural healing and resolution process and watch the amazing things your brain does with it. For instance, if you take terror and fear and you guide that through the brain's healing process, you make sure it gets processed, your brain makes courage, boldness, hope, and new beginnings out of that. Right. And then you're like, oh, hmm, maybe this fear is here for something. Or look, I'm about to get really courageous. And right. that's what we're learning about ourselves when we're no longer afraid of holding these painful energies. Yeah, and we're so used to pushing it down and pushing it away. And it's a gross Uh, example, everybody, but it's almost like you have to throw up, just throw up already because you're going to feel so much better when you do, if you're walking around sick. Okay. I want to stop on that for a second because that's what we have these experiences and we just want them to go away, which would be fabulous, but that's not how it works. We have eaten the experience. It is in our stomachs now and we need it to digest and go through and come out the other end. 
-hmm. It is not something that is going to unhappen. We're not going to have unexperienced those things. We need to finish and complete the process with them so we can move on. Yeah. And it's really true. You know, when you think about it, it's so interesting to me how, you know, when people take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz, 45% of everyone betrayed has a gut issue. So clearly the stress is affecting the gut, but think about what the gut does. It absorbs, digests, and processes. Isn't exactly what you're talking about. These are deep, painful emotions and experiences that need to be absorbed, digest, and processed. Sounds like- They need to move along the process. Yeah. They're not supposed to hang out in the stomach. Yeah. You know, but that's what happens with these experiences that we can't get processed. It's just if we were to eat food, we would have problems. We would see problems. We would feel problems if it wasn't going to lead to stomach. And then we're vomiting up all these beliefs and ideas and feelings all over people and our experiences and our life. And that's not the proper use of these experiences, mm-hmm. you know, and brains are really wildly, I don't even understand just the whole thing, how this is, but it's like even some of the worst traumas that should have never occurred on the earth. And I say that when people heal from this, the way they grow from it, they're not broken and damaged and bad forever and never can trust it. Their brain just takes this thing and makes a beautiful way of being in the world that I couldn't tell them to create. And you see it. The people who've been through the most, who've done the work to heal from it are yes. the most beautifully, these are the most dynamic, joyful, yes, resourceful, confident people you'll ever meet in your life. Empathetic. Yes. Yes, exactly. Which exactly. empathy is a high end brain product. Your brain has to go through so many steps to make that. And I promise, I think this is the most unifying force in our lives. And that's why it's so important for us to go through this process, which takes some empathy with ourselves to be able to look at, hey, that was a really painful experience. Put some attention on it, get it processed, you know, and then, you know, that empathy with ourselves and an understanding there's a process with this and going through the process just starts expanding to other people. And then we have more of that connection. And we don't tolerate in our intimate circles, people who don't have empathy. Mm-hmm. Because we value it so much and we've seen it, we've tasted it, we want it. And our in- intuitively, we know, hey, well, that's not empathy. Yeah. There's so many reparative things that occur just from uh, the mind-body system working effectively. Beautiful. I love that. Let's talk about thought field therapy. What's that about? Thought field therapy is the parent intervention to emotional freedom techniques and tapping. Mm-hmm. And so it has a little bit more woo-woo left in it. And it's a very, there's more diagnostic features in it. And it's a little bit more difficult to teach people. Mm-hmm. However, so I really will lean on tapping more than teaching people thought-filled therapy because of the amount of work we need to do. But there is an intervention in color in thought-filled therapy that I pull out and it is a forerunner in my work. It is my favorite trauma processing intervention and it's called collarbone breathing. And on my website, I have a, a program where I teach people how to do these interventions for free, and then they can take them and use them and integrate them with their therapist or coaching or, you know, and I have a program that they can take if they want to follow. But really, it's like, just get your hands on these things. So the collarbone breathing is you're holding the collarbone points with one hand, and then you're tapping on the triple warmer continuously. And you're doing some polarity things at the complex. And I could, we could nerd out about all the reasons I don't. I'm just like, let's just get to work. And then there's a breathing component that goes with it. And so it takes about two minutes and it's, but it is a big hammer. It's if tapping's not working, 
you just pull up a collarbone, breathe on it and hit it with this big hammer. And then it's like open and then and moving and desensitized. And then you go right back to tapping or another collarbone breathe until it's until you can look at that emotional distress. And it's just it's not painful. It's not intense. It's zero on a scale of zero to 10. It makes sense. It's there's epiphanies. There's new solutions. All of that stuff. Just that's we want to keep moving until we get to that place. So just to be clear, you said. 22 minutes, 20 minutes towards two. Yes. Okay. Two minutes. It's a two minute intervention, a two minute intervention. And you know, it worked by the difference you'll feel at the end. Yes. So you're saying if someone is, let's say just anxious or hypervigilant or whatever that, that emotion is at the end of it, they'll be feeling more calm. Is it like something that they'll notice they feel a difference? Yes. It is very dramatic for the most part. When it really depends on what you're working on it with. There are some symptoms that are very complex. And so the results you get can be more subtle. Any progress the brain makes in processing that issue is winning. And so there's sometimes when people are using an intervention and they can't necessarily feel the, the dramatic release because the situation is so complex. So there's a couple of other things you can look for to know if an intervention is working. And I explain all of that in that little, that free program that I have, but it's, you'll notice, you can notice that the body is less intense, like that maybe there was tightness in your chest and now it's loose. Maybe your stomach was nauseous and now you're not finding that nausea. Maybe there's a, with a headache that came on as you're thinking about that and the headache is gone or reduced. Those sorts of things we'll notice. Those are fun ones because you fill those ones right away if you're looking for it. Other things you might notice is being more logical more reasoning, more objective, more data-based. And that's because the front of the brain is starting to work now. Because when we're in survival states, the survival center will turn off and shut down the rest of the brain of the prefrontal cortex. We don't need to think, we need to survive. So well, let's just cut that feature off. So when we know it's working because the survival system is allowing that part of the brain to turn back on because it feels like it's safe enough to do. So we're noticing things like, like that's not how it always works, or that wasn't as big of a deal as I thought it was. And we're just more pragmatic there and less emotional. And being less emotional and less emotional reasoning isn't a bad thing. It just means that it's early in the processing process. It's just how it works. And then we'll notice solutions starting. So if you're doing some tapping and it feels heavy, but you feel you can notice, oh, well, I could try this and I could try that. That means it's working. And those solutions probably aren't very fabulous yet because there's more of that stuff that needs to process and move through. But that's a great sign that things are moving. We'll also notice epiphanies. We'll notice seeing things from multiple perspectives or bigger perspectives. And those are all really great signs that the intervention is working and just keep using it. Use it a couple more times. Think about it compared to where someone may have been to have those kinds of results from a two-minute intervention. Absolutely. I mean, is that that's time well spent? Okay, let's go into energy medicine. Yeah, Energy medicine is, I studied with Donna Eden's program and she teaches nine different energy systems. So chakras, auras, grid, electrical system, all these different systems that our body is using energetic. And so there's things we can do to balance these parts of us. And so whether we're chakra clearing or holding parts of the head, holding different points, strengthening different meridians. There's so many different ways just to work with the body to get the body to do its healing work. Mm -hmm. That doesn't involve the conscious thinking center that I was like, yes, I need that intervention. I need all of that. I want all of those tools because there's some stuff that we're working on that we just can't put our mind to. 
It's really too intense to think it through. And And we still need to heal. We still need to go through the mind-body system, the mind-body process. And really what Rochelle's talking about, I mean, I have seen some of this work and it's amazing. She'll just, she has these names for these crazy little processes that just look so weird. And she'll bring people on stage and do it with these people. And then they're like, their headache goes away. Or if they were traveling and they have jet lag and all of a sudden the jet lag is gone. And I know it seems so crazy. It's like, how do you just take your hand and move it from one side of your body to another? Or, you know, tap on a certain point and you feel a difference or muscle testing where she'll just ask a question and the muscle, the arm stays strong or just goes right down. And even though we don't understand it, the body knows the body, the body knows all this stuff. So it's really incredible. Is there a modality that you have within energy medicine or tool? Well, or- a lot of my work is to empower people to do their own healing work or to guide them through their healing work. So my favorite ones when I'm in the role of trainer, because I'm training people to work with, with their mind body system and to really build advanced skills so that they can take care of themselves for the rest of their life. And your therapist is going to show up in your shower when you're having a panic attack. And if they do, then there's a problem, you know? (laughs) So it's, but I want people to be skilled with that themselves. When I'm working as a healing artist, gosh, I don't have, I love to just be in the stuff. I really love energy medicine. I love, there's, I can't tell you how many things I've had clients with issues that they just don't know what's going on and it's looking at their body to tell us exactly what it is, resolve it. And it's just powerful. And not just energy medicine, also thought field therapy has muscle testing in it as well. Mm -hmm. And so does acupuncture and so does chiropractic. Like there's like, we're learning how to use the body's energy system, the electrical system to gather information, to heal, to, you know, just like the body is responding to the world around us chemically, it's also responding to the world around us energetically and electrically, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's like, we've really spent time with this chemical process that we can see that if we're thinking this stuff, these chemicals are going off. If we're thinking this thing are actually, these muscles are going off, you know, they're actually no longer able to hold their regular strength. And now they're weakening for one to two seconds. And you can tune into that and test the muscle strength while people are thinking about different things and see where the system is struggling. And then you provide some support and it's off and running. And it's like, okay, I've got this. Let me go heal things. And it's like, yeah, let's go. Our body is designed to heal. And all we're doing is providing it the support it needs. And bodies do need support. That's part of our design. And I hope everybody watching, listening is realizing that there, you may be hitting this from the mental and emotional level. There are so many other areas where trauma, where issues get stuck. And it's, you know, here it is in the tissues, in the body, and it all needs to be released. And there are many, you know, ways to do it. And I love how we're going over a few of these. Let's talk about EMDR. Now, some people love it. It's great. Some people don't like it at all. This is the kind of thing most people go see a practitioner to do this with. But tell us a little bit about EMDR. EMDR is the most popular trauma intervention in America. And I think that's possibly because it's the least like you're not tapping on these points, you know, but also it was funded first and research came out. This intervention, I really love it for multiple things, but it really is not for everybody. And there's reasons why it's like with all the other interventions, you get a lot of control and you can keep control. Like you can say, Hey, Brian, let's go work on this. Hey, Brian, let's go work on that. And you really can pace and control the work, which is really wonderful for people that have massive amounts of trauma or a few or many very intense traumas. Mm -hmm. Those ones you want to be controlled about because you don't want to 
flood the system with stuff that it can't process yet. EMDR is sitting in the front seat. You letting your brain get in the driver's seat and you sitting in the back seat and buckling up. And it's like those eye movements, it's like you're getting your processor up and running because this is what we're doing when we're sleeping. We're doing rapid eye movement already when we're sleeping. And so we are, our brain is like, woo, our processors are on. Let's go do our healing work. And it just starts driving off and you're in a good place. But then it starts really is like, oh, this place I wanted to go that I've been wanting to go. And here you are. And the same thing that happens in nightmares, you're, it's just explosively not good. Mm -hmm. And you're not really prepared for that. Some people love that. They are equipped. They're like, I want to go swim in all of the distress if there's going to be any, because EMDR is not always very distressing. Sometimes it's very smooth and very easy, but there are people that if they get in a tough spot, they're like, yes, let's go. And they're having a blast. They're in there with their seatbelt on in the back seat, you know, with their hand out the window of the car and their brain is like going all the places. And so it's really healing for that. And we're navigating one of the, utilizing one of the natural ways brains heal Mm -hmm. while you're awake and under controlled environment. And so you can get a lot of work done. Yeah. So it's really, you know, that's EMDR seems like for the control freak, not the best modality, just exactly. because you don't know how much is going to come up. And were you ready for all of that? For the person who is that's okay, right. not having control, this may be a way, hey, just get it all up and out and deal with it. So yeah, it's finding that fit. And if you are a control freak, there's a reason that is is right. And that you need to respect that reason that your brain is doing the best it can. And it thinks that there are some dangerous things in there that we need to be really controlled about. And I believe it. Mm-hmm. And even if that is the case, there's still so many ways to heal and to support that brain's process in a gentle path of healing that it feels, you know. And so at least if you find that you are too much of a control freak to do EMDR, that is, that's right and good. There is no shame in that whatsoever. You got to find the right paths for you. And there are many other interventions in paths. And it's really true because, you know, it's different for everybody. And how do we know the importance of releasing the trauma, but to what extent do we want to release it? And maybe you try some of the other modalities and just see what it feels like to release a little That's bit right. of time. And maybe that gives you enough of a comfort level to say, you know what, I could go with a little bit more or not. I think that the whole idea is there's really no... There's no right or wrong to this. You just get the, you know, do the work to release all this trauma in a different way. Is there a certain type of profile, a personality profile where one, like we said, the control freaks may not want EMDR, where one modality may be better than another or a type of Um, where one modality may be better than another? You know, I hate to be like this, but number one, I don't think that's the case. Mm -hmm. I think it's really when you experience, I always want to work with somebody because we can talk to the cows come home and they can say anything they want to say, but that might be the front of their brain talking and their subconscious mind is like, oh no, you know, or their body, they're saying all the things, but their body is leaning back. Yeah. Or you can see the color leave their face and they're brave pushing on. We are not pushing here. We are not, this is the healing work does not need to be painful or pushing. And I really want to take away a correlation with the amount of pain you feel is the amount of progress you're making. That is not true. Pain actually slows down the healing process. That's why we're in this in the first place, because something painful happened and it's taking forever to get through the healing process. 
And so there are lots of strategies we can use to really reduce pain levels and get a lot of work done. That's really important. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. This is not a no pain, no gain kind of thing. This is a very- Not at all. Okay. What do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? You know, I really want people to experience. It's not that I want somebody to know anything. I want people to experience their mind-body system working in harmony, creating synergy, creating like work it, you know, I really want people to not just try to think their way through. And especially like my high-performing women who are conquering the world, taking no prisoners, they usually have fabulous prefrontal cortexes and can be pretty disconnected from their body and their subconscious and the other factors that run the show. Mm-hmm. And I love for them to inter- to learn just how beautiful and easy it is to do this pain work that we tend to avoid as high performers. Even I think with people with depression, I think that just learning, wow, my system can resolve that and I just feel lighter. Either way, it's just that we don't have to be afraid of this pain. Yeah, I love that. And it's really true. You know, I'm picturing that high performing woman or man who they're so used to using one tool for the job. And it's like you've done every home improvement with a hammer. It's just different. It's just different. Beautiful. Where do we go to learn more about you and the great work you do? On my website, rachelmcleod.com or Rochelle McLeod, it's spelled. I have all the L's and the E's in there. So it's R-A-C-H-E-L-E-M-C-L-O-U-D.com. And yeah, you can find me there. Beautiful. Thank you again. We will link this to your other episode as well. Another great one. Thank you so much for sharing amazing modalities that really that people can try to get the issues out of the tissues. Thanks so much, Rochelle. Yes. Thank you. Rochelle explains so beautifully how all of that looping we do, where we keep going over the same thoughts, those memories keep resurfacing, we're having recurring nightmares and more, are all there because that trauma is stuck Instead of all the efforts we can take to push it back down, they need to be released. Stay in touch with Rochelle by going to rochellemcleod.com and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at thepptinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. The four interventions Rochelle recommends to stop all that looping. Number one, tapping, EFT, which talks to the part of the brain that has no words. So even though it may seem like an odd practice, give it a try. It's simple and effective. Two, thought field therapy, specifically the two-minute collarbone breathing technique, which can really make a difference in two minutes. Three, energy medicine. This is where we're using the body's energy system to heal. Four, EMDR, the most popular out of the four, but may not be right for everyone because it can be a bit more intense and you have less control over the trauma release. Some people love it, others, not so much. Either way, lots to try, and it's all about getting the issues out of the tissues. We even have one of our PPT coaches, and that's her specialty. So very often, members within the PPT Institute will schedule sessions with her specifically if they're in stages two and three, when we're really struggling with triggers, a dysregulated nervous system, and more. Let us help you move through all five stages from betrayal to breakthrough by joining us at thepbtinstitute.com. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time, and here's to your breakthrough.